Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. On today's show, we're bringing you a panel recorded at Soccer X Miami back in November last year at the Manor Winwood Convention Center. Moderated by our own VP of Global Football Partnerships, Andy Jackson, the panel features Rich Orozco, Chief Brand Officer for LAFC, Russell Jones, GM of Marketing and Commercial Growth at Wolverhampton Wanderers FC, and Owen Blackhurst, VP of Content at Mundial. The panel focuses on the creation of the documentary 1967 when wolves conquered the USA, as well as the stories behind how in the summer of 67 the Los Angeles Wolves, which was created from the first team of Wolverhampton Wanderers, represented the city of Los Angeles and won the first professional soccer title in the US. 1967 when Wolves Conquered the USA was produced by Wolves Studio and Mundial and is available now on Wolves' YouTube channel and Discovery Plus in the UK and on NBC Sports' YouTube channel in the US. For more on SoccerX and forthcoming events, including the recently announced SoccerX Europe, visit SoccerX.com. For now, I pass you over to Andy Jackson. Good morning. Uh, welcome to uh, the LA Wolves SoccerX panel. You've just seen the trailer there for the movie. Uh, unfortunately, Alan Rothenberg was unable to join us, but I've still got uh, three great guests to talk us through the, the story behind the documentary. Um, first of all, please welcome Richard Roscoe, Chief Brand Officer of LAFC. Um, and as for the rest of us, the, uh, the Midlands Mafia in, uh, in Miami, I have Russell Jones, GM of Marketing and Commercial Growth at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Give it up for Russell. Come on, make noise, this guy. <laughs> Owen, Owen Blackhurst, VP of Content at Mundial and Football Co's Chief Storyteller. I'm on. Um, and myself, uh, my name's Andy Jackson. I'm a VP of Global Football Partnerships at Football Co. Yes, yeah. um, so we've got about 25 minutes to dive into the story of the documentary, which is obviously the, the inaugural professional soccer tournament in the USA in 1967. And to steal a line from the film, it was the wet cement for everything that followed. Russell, come to you first. It's, it's just over a year now since we first discussed this in our partnership with Wolves. When did you first become aware of the story? Uh, well, interestingly, it's probably about 18 months ago that I, I first mentioned this story to Rich as well. Um, so it's pretty exciting for me to be here on sort of stage today with the film released. Uh, in terms of when it first came to me, it was, it was um, a guy that works for us that had come over from North America to the UK to do a podcast series. Uh, and he interviewed various different people around the club. And one of those was a gentleman that's very prominent in the film called Phil Parks. And he knew that Phil had a, a long career in the US after he'd finished at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And he was asking him about that. What was it like to play for Chicago and the Vancouver Whitecaps and San Jose and, and so on. And as I'm listening to this podcast, he starts to tell this story about the Los Angeles Wolves, a story I'd, I'd never heard before. And literally, I'm getting goosebumps on the back of my neck as he's, as he's telling this story. So that, that really is where it started. And then we kind of dug into it and so much more then came out of, of the story. And, and obviously, then we're, we're here today. And do you, think, do you think this is a story that your average Wolves fan was aware of? 
No, it's not. I mean, it's the amount of people that I spoke to about this story, they just had absolutely no idea it existed. Uh, Wolves is a really history club. We were a founder member of the first ever professional league in England back in 1888. We were a forerunner for the European Cup, having played floodlit friendlies back in the 50s. Um, and now we can also talk about the fact that we played a, a founding role in professional soccer um, here in North America. So it's, it's an exciting next uh, part of the, the history of the club. Gosh, Rich, was, was, was this a story that you were aware of when it's going through the establishment process for LAFC? I, I remember the name, but I didn't dive into the story. Um, but for those of you, you don't know, uh, these guys were the first champions in Los Angeles. So give it up for that in 1967. <laughs> but uh, first I want to acknowledge Russell. We uh, were fortunate to be in a panel a couple of years ago. And, you know, I consider the Wolves, as a, as a world football fan, I consider the Wolves a challenger club, right, in England. And from day one, you know, our conversation was different than normal football club marketing. And I knew he wants to do things different. And we'll talk about music in a little bit too, the, the, the things that Wolves are doing. But I want to acknowledge him because they're, you have to be aggressive as a club to really dive in with depth and not width, with your marketing, with your fan acquisition, with your engagement. So he mentioned the idea 18 months ago. I know you guys were, it resonated with you too, but, but he did it. And there's a lot of clubs out there. You have ideas and we talk about stories and storytelling and documentaries and history. But 18 months ago, he mentioned it. And now today we were sharing with you guys uh, a great 30 minute talk, uh, beautifully produced. So congrats to you guys, but telling an, an important story. Um, we're really proud of where we are today, obviously in LA with football, but I want to acknowledge you for the idea and also execution and doing things different. Richard, and where do you think this fits now in that, in that heritage story of football in LA, a wider sort of landscape of football in LA? Is this now going to be an important part of your sort of narrative moving forward and what you connect back to, even though the club's relatively young itself? Yeah, so um, definitely watch the documentary. Uh, they had 17,000 fans in 1967 at the Coliseum, which is right next door to our BMO Stadium, which is it's fun for us to uh, wrap our heads around. But then this last year, in 2023, for the first time ever, we had 82,000 people in the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles to watch a derby in LA. And, you know, I have a couple colleagues here today. Uh, Daniel Guzman's in the audience, Betty Tran is in the front row. But I think for us, you know, we were both at LAC at day one with no colors, no stadium, no players. Six years later, we're in the Rose Bowl with 82,000 people. So understanding LA football history, Obviously, like the roots are there, and then seeing where it is now is pretty. And funny that you ended up playing in gold and black, right? Yeah, yeah. And these so guys are in the original black and gold. So I'll, I will admit now, I did, I did not know that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that would have been the ultimate. Yeah, I knew about it. This is my favorite uh, Russell to make up for digging. <laughs> so, so after I first spoke to Russell about this, obviously we have a we have a suite of brands within the football code portfolio, but the absolute obvious brand to tell this story was Mundial, which is our our football lifestyle brand, looking at the heritage and icons of the game, reminding you why you love football. So it also helped that we had two Wolverhampton-born storytellers in the, in the ranks on, on Monday hour, so I knew I'd get a, an open hearing for bringing the project. So, I mean, what, what was the appeal for you and obviously for James from a Monday hour perspective? Firstly, that it was a great story and there's very few big stories left untold. Um, but it was the chance to do it properly. I think you, something you said there about marketing 
people don't go in with depth and it's often the same in storytelling. It's very easy to tell these big, broad stories where no one really gets anything. But for this, we had to go deep because of the nature of the story and how long ago it was. So that was the first thing. Was there a story there? Um, and secondly, to tell, to tell a story about the club in the time where you were born, who your dad went to watch and your granddad went to watch and your my dad's great, great uncle played for in an FA Cup final over 100 years ago. An opportunity to do that and bring that to life and do it justice. It's as good as it gets. Nice. And, and obviously, Monday has a global reputation for football storytelling in print and in audio with the with Giant, which is the award-winning podcast on Spotify. How does video differ as a medium, apart from the obvious, but what are the considerations you have to take in place when telling a long form in video compared with print or audio or the other mediums with which you work normally? I think it, it's, it's very easy for, for, audio, for, uh, for video storytellers to rely solely on archives to do the job and it makes you lazy um, because everyone likes looking at old stuff, right? And it can often get in the way of the story. Whereas for this, the archive doesn't exist. The only archive that exists we used of the final. So we had to think about ways to get around that, how to move the storytelling on, what parts of the story we couldn't go big on because we, we couldn't tell it fully. Yeah. And what parts to concentrate on and whether we use modern day shots or animation, as you can see there. So it's, it's about telling the story you can tell with the time, resource and archive available rather than just doing a, a cookie cutter version of a story. Yeah. And again, I think Russ, I've come to you, obviously one of the most compelling parts of the documentary for me and any good sort of, you know, sports documentary, the human stories behind the, the sporting story. And there's some great snippets from uh, Phil Parks, as you referenced, talks about he'd never even been to Wales before they all got on a plane to come to LA. Um, how did you go about getting the participation of the players and, and are they happy with what you've created? Yeah, I, I think that's the favourite part of the documentary for me. Um, it was actually listening to players talking about this story. I, I think you probably need to consider that this is, Wolverhampton's a very humble city. The players that played in this tournament weren't like the players of today in terms of that celebrity status, in terms of the wealth that's in the game. This is a very humble group of lads that suddenly got told they could, were going to go and play soccer in LA for nine weeks. Um, I think the resounding response from the players was, yes, please, let's go. Um, and the, and the way they talk about it today, bear in mind this is 56 years ago, as they talk about this story, and please watch the film because you'll just feel the warmth that they have for the city of LA and also just what an unbelievably good time these lads had. Um, we ran a, a premiere, didn't we, in, in Wolverhampton where we invited about 150 people. We invited the four players, their families. Sadly, there's quite a few players that aren't with us anymore. So we were able to invite their families and the pride you know, in that room that that we've retold their story was, was evident for, for everyone to see. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and I mean, I, from, from your side as well, you talked about your family connection and the generations from Wolverhampton and fans. Presumably that was a, a response, you know, heavy responsibility for you as well to deliver something that those players, but also the fans would be proud of. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a hell of a responsibility when people entrust you with their memories and their story to, 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 to tell it in the right way and to do it justice. And you never know how that's going to go down, right? Because you have to edit things in a certain way to make sure there's a story there. And that you, that you always have to add some narrative or... But to see them on the stage, just echoing what Russell said. You know, Terry Wharton at the end, who's the most unassuming guy, he's the most blue-collar player in a blue-collar team from a blue-collar city. And to see him on stage getting a standing ovation and, and not being able to speak and then thanking us and getting us a standing ovation... 
that means more than anyone coming up to you and saying, oh, that was a good documentary. Yeah. You know it's good when you've worked on something, but to see the people whose story you're telling overcome with emotion about it, that's, that, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. I feel as well, well we, we spoke on the opening night at the reception, didn't we, about how you know, all of us produce so much football content, much of it around the match cycle, the preview, review, a lot of it very disposable. And this is something that is now a mark in time. It's a 30-minute documentary that generations of Wolves fans will enjoy on the 100th anniversary when we're long gone, you know, beyond that. And was that a, a real sort of driver for you in, in this project? Yeah, no, I think, that, I think that's a huge driver, isn't it? To be able, I'm, a, I'm a Wolves fan by birth as well. So, again, to be able to leave a little piece of history behind um, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a legacy for, for all of us, really. And to sense that pride of local fans in this story... Because that's quite hard sometimes when you work on, from a marketing perspective, when you're trying to develop new markets, you can find that football fans can be quite cynical. But when it came to this story, this story is different because it was a sense of real pride. Wolverhampton Wanderers played a part in the incredible things that you see in LA soccer today. Um, and obviously this was a, a collaboration between Mundial and Wolves Studios. I mean, how did that collaboration work through the process? I think I, I want to give Russell and the, and the team, Yanni and Max and everyone else from Wolves who worked on this credit because they editorially, they allowed, they recognised that this is what we do and they allowed us to do it. And of course, we, there was discussion points, but it was with the wrong club and the wrong people, it could have become something very vanilla and a story that was only about what the club wanted rather than what the story needed to be. And I think it's, it's something I've talked about a lot. Any, any broadcasts, any rights holders, any broadcasters, any clubs who want to tell stories, work with storytellers, open up your archive, find, find ways to tell these stories that go beyond um, something that is, is instantly forgettable because there's stories there and people want it. You've just got to give it to them. And any, any, uh, any funny moments that didn't make the final edit? Uh, I mean, we could have done two hours of Phil Parks talking. There's, there's too many. Uh, there's there's, there's a, a lot, you know, but, but nothing, nothing stands out. Okay. I'm going to widen it a bit now to LA, Rich. And, um, you know, what's your take on sort of LA status now as, you know, let's be frank, an emerging global soccer city, you know, comparable with any in the world, you know, and, um, and where's LAFC's place in that? So um, I think um, if you haven't been to an LAFC match, I will invite everyone in here, please, please uh, sit in that stadium and feel the community we've built. Um, I'm going to shout out Clay right here from FIFA. Uh, I love, you know, she's from England and her first match we hosted her and we're very confident that well, I just got to get you there. And then I see it in your eyes that you kind of get what's happening in Los Angeles. Um, even something as simple as being called a football club. Yep. Where there, was a, there was a three month argument internally in 2015. Are we a soccer club or a football club? And those micro decisions create the brand that we have today because I wanted my English friends in LA, my German friends in LA, my Mexican friends in LA, to know that we were not Americanizing this new yeah. team what was included in LA. Yeah. And it's like, we were very careful about all those micro decisions to create you know, the, the energy we have right now in LA with football. Um, bet, on, bet on Los Angeles for football. Uh, again, please, if you can see the Derby in LA, I think we're there. Like. It rivals a lot of derbies around the world. Not, not many local derbies get 82,000 anywhere. Yeah. No. And, you know, unfortunately, we also have to uh, hire three times the amount of security, et cetera. So it's fire. It's, it's not, this is not 
this is real football culture and it's real tribalism and, and um we're very proud to be a part of that well so obviously my role in talking to clubs leagues federations around the world the, the one consistent for every club that i speak to in europe is the us as their number one priority market can you sum up the opportunity for a club like wolves in the us how you see it and how do you go about approaching it and and, and ultimately what does success look like for wolves in the us yeah, no, I think that, that you're absolutely right. The you know, US is a is a really interesting market. I think, you know, the Premier League, we're very lucky to be part of the Premier League. It's the biggest league in the world. Um, they've recently set up a New York office. I know Akash is here today. Um, and we're, you know, we're, we're really proud to be part of that. And straight away, that gives us an opportunity, gives us a seat at the table. Um, the second part of that really is us then identifying where in LA Sorry, where in the US we need to tell our story because ultimately it's an incredibly big country. Yeah. If you just went after it, you're not going to win. So um, we actually broke really the, the, the country down in terms of key markets. And we saw a developing fan base in the California area, which predominantly came at the time through Raul Jimenez yeah. um, and the big Mexican Hispanic populations in California, in Texas. Um, and obviously that was sort of our starting point. And then clearly we found this story. Um, and I think the beauty of having a story like this is that players are awesome. And, you know, we have a, a South Korean player at the moment, Lee Chan Hwang, that's opening up opportunities for us in, in Korea as well. But there's an element there of seize the moment because that opportunity can almost disappear as fast as it, as it comes to you. Whereas this story won't disappear. Yeah. This is a story which is going to see out all of our lives and the next hour and the next generation. Exactly. So then look, we're looking then at other ways in which we can be different. Um, as Rich mentioned, we've got a, you know, we've got a music label. So we're already collabing with a, a mu another music label in LA. We're also um, working on kind of football development at grassroots level. We've got some great partnerships and we've, we've run a content um, talent ID competition for Go called Golden Chance for the last couple of years. And then we were looking for an outcome of that. So once you've found this talent, what happens next? Uh, and we worked through um, the talented team from TST. Again, I know some of the guys are here today. So we were able to take some of these talented players that we found in Chicago and Phoenix, Arizona, and actually drop them into a Wolves kit to play in a, you know, a competitive competition. So I think there's, you know, there literally is lots of opportunities out there for us. And it's, you know, it's a definitely exciting market. And Rich, on the, on the other end of the, of the spectrum, how do you feel about, you know, traditional clubs and leagues in Europe, you know, coming over here onto your patch, trying to win hearts, minds and wallets. Yeah. You know, uh, how do you feel about that? And how do you carve out your own story when clubs with a much deeper history and heritage are coming over and trying to compete on your own turf? Yeah, I, th I think we, what we've learned, even how we built LAFC, you know, we, we kind of live by street by street, block by block, one by one, grassroots patients. And a lot of the big clubs, they'll come to the States, they'll have a friendly, they'll overcharge you and they leave and you never see them again. So what I love about what where Russell's sensibilities are is what we would preach to any international club. And for those of you who don't know, we just partnered with Bayern Munich recently this year. We're creating a football development network around the world. But even when we tell them, and they're one of the biggest clubs in the world, is start micro, right? Get that depth again. And what Russell is doing is start the micro store in LA. Get 150 people first in LA to watch the documentary. Then stay in contact with them because Americans are going to look for, you're going to have the kid who's just going to follow Man City because it's a winner, right? But then you're going to have the kid or the teenager or the young adult who's going to look for culture. And then they're going to see this story. 
and then they're going to see this jersey. And we have to show off this jersey real quick. Look at it. Look at this guy. Right. But there's there's hunters in L.A. for culture and in the U.S. for culture. And I think that's we, we would advise every single club is if you is plant roots in one city. Right. Give that five years and come back. And what are you doing for that city? And what legacy are kickstarting for that city? And that's why I was pretty excited about this project. Nice. I mean, um, obviously, 2026 is going to see the first 48 team World Cup co-hosted in the U.S. And what do you think the impact of this will be for the game here? You spent a bit of time in uh, at all levels, you know. And do you think that that will help remove some of the cynicism that still exists towards soccer in the U.S. from outside the U.S., not not from within? I think that the, the cynicism exists because people don't look beyond on the pitch. And, and especially European football fans are quite snobby and think, oh, the, the on-pitch product isn't the same as the Premier League yet, so therefore it's not real football. But the supporter culture yeah. in the US, it's, it's far and away ahead of the UK now. Match days are fun and inclusive and, you know, it is a riot, right? And they're, you know, they're, they're lively, but, the, but the, the difference between what you see on a match day in the UK when it can often be quite a nasty experience compared to what you see here. So I don't... I don't think it needs another World Cup to change that. I think what the World Cup will do will make sure there's more of it and it will bring in more fans and clubs will grow all across, all across the country. And where, where do you see um, Mundial's part in this and your position, the, the, the real strong positioning that you've got that Mundial has in the game around reminding people why you love football? Where do you see the US starting to figure in that more in your sort of storytelling in print, on social, more documentaries, podcasts? Yeah, we, we, we've always told US stories. We, we treat the game quite d democratically. Uh, grassroots, women's, men's, everything, everything in between. But it's about, it's about getting out here and spending more time finding these stories. It's very easy to regurgitate the same old stuff. We don't need to talk about the birth of the MLS anymore. It's been done. It's been done brilliantly. It's a great story. We've got to move on. And that, the responsibility there is what I said before. Clubs, broadcasters, rights, rights holders all work together to find these stories and tell them, because that's how you grow the culture in, uh, globally as well. Yeah. And Rich, obviously, it's not just the World Cup. We've got Copper America uh, next summer. Um, so what do you, th you know, from, from an LAFC perspective, how do you capitalise on those big tempo moments that aren't, that aren't club tempo moments, they're national team moments, but how do you look as an LAFC, with an LAFC hat on, quite literally, to tap into those? I mean, I think Owen said it correctly. It's just there's there's just going to be more and more and more people who are going to sample, right, football. They're going to, where the tournament's coming up, it'll be their first match ever. And then, you know, look at your local club. And we want to extend that relationship and make sure we get you back to our stadium. So uh, more football, better Not for all of us. Yeah. I'm Russell, from, from a Wolves perspective, um, you know, how, how are Wolves looking to show up in the U.S. over the next sort of three years leading into that 2026 World Cup? I, I think the first part for us is it's being here today. It's, it's having this film. It's releasing this film. It's then marketing this film. It's getting it out there. You know, and as Rich says, it's baby steps then. It's been developing that, you know, that interest, that engagement. It's turning what essentially is a film around history into something that is cool. So how do we make this sort of retro call, almost in the way that Cosmos have come retro call? How do we do that? And, and so those, those are the kind of things that we're working on. Uh, obviously, we, we're very aware of things like the Premier League Summer Series. Clearly, that's a competition that we'd love to be part of in the future. Um, and the Premier League are working, obviously, hard on how they're developing that footprint in the US. And, you know, we'll be 
absolutely a part of that. So it's a, it's a long journey for us, um, but we are, you know, we're completely committed to it. And I was a, a massive part of the documentary and, and any good documentary is the music score. Um, and that, that if you, when you listen, when you watch the full documentary, you'll understand what I mean. Music is also a connector between the two clubs, which you were showing us some incredible shots before we came on. It might be that there's a music collaboration before the teams face each other on a pitch. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I don't, absolutely don't see why not. We, we launched our record label uh, two years ago now and obviously been sort of chatting to Rich ever since that. So we are all sorts of different musicians on our roster, hip hop, um, soul, dark pop, um, R&B, you name it. We're, we're kind of genre agnostic um, and we'd love to do a collab with LAFC and, and some of the artists that are emerging in that scene. I'll, I'll show off the Russells. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Wolves Records is, is alive and well. And we were on the panel, and I, was, and I researched Wolves Records because we we're also uh, going to announce in 2024 a Black and Gold Records for LAC. So this, we can create the first ever uh, music label derby in world football. <laughs> you heard it here first today. It's Wolves and LAC battling for world music <laughs> football domination. I'll leave it right there. <laughs> Can I make the documentary about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, look, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We're in the, the final minute. So I just wanted to say thanks Thank to Rich, you. thanks to Owen for a, for a great half hour. Um, and just a reminder that the full documentary is now available to watch either on Wolves' YouTube channel or on NB Sports' YouTube channel. So you can uh, just head there and watch it. Um, I'm sure you'll love it. Please join me in thanking my panellists for their time today. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.